Turn with me this evening in the Word to Mark, the ninth chapter. Let's release faith and believe together for utterance, for light, for answers. What comes by hearing and hearing by the Word? Faith. Is faith good? Faith overcomes the world. Faith receives from God. Faith pleases God. And what we're doing right now is how you get more. How your faith gets stronger and increases. In Mark, the ninth chapter, we begin some weeks ago on this series we're calling Faith for Miracles. Faith for Miracles. And this is our main text. Let's read it again and then pray and believe for light. Mark 9 and uh, 17, one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I brought to you my son, which has a dumb spirit. Wherever he takes him, he tears him and he foams and gnashes with his teeth and pines away. And I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out and they could not. Now, we see later that they asked him, why couldn't we cast it out? And Matthew, he said, because of your unbelief. And then also he told them that the praying and fasting was a way to deal with some of those things. We see, if you were with us earlier in the series, that uh, they were dealing with some pride and presumption. And one of the best cures for pride is praying and fasting. Humble yourself. The Bible, Psalms talks about humbling yourself, your soul, with fasting. And not just missing a meal, but denying yourself what you want and what you like to do. (laughs) Well, this is going over big. Maybe we need to start a new series on overcoming pride and fasting. Can you get too big for your britches? Just practically everybody in here has. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have. There's been times you you definitely did. Do you know how to deal with yourself? When you get too big for your britches, do you know how to humble yourself? You need to. Learn how. To humble. God says, well, you know, God will humble me. That's wrong thinking. The Bible teaches you to humble yourself. That's another Series. He said they could not. And you see that unbelief makes you unable. And faith makes all things possible. Can you see that? It's not that you can't do it. It's that unbelief prevents you. The first generation of Israelites believed they could not possess the the promised land. Was it true that they couldn't do it? The next generation proved it could be done. But the first one was convinced they couldn't do it. You know, it can't be done is a lie. I can do it on my own is another lie. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is a hallelujah glorious truth. Isn't it? 
It can be done with his help. But uh, unbelief makes you unable. Faith makes it possible. And he answered him, he said, oh, faithless generation, which again confirms what the problem was. It was faithlessness. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. If that was the reason why healings and deliverances and miracles weren't happening in that situation, wonder if that's still the reason why some things haven't happened. Not that it wasn't God's will. It's just faithlessness. And they brought him to him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tore him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. He asked his father, how long is it ago since this came to him? He said, of a child. Oft times it's cast him into the fire, into the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Many today are in the same boat where this man was. They think it's all up to the Lord. And they're just pleading, Lord, if anything can be done, do it. Please do it. Please do it. Please do it. And they think it's up to him. They think they're waiting on God. And then if it doesn't happen, then it must not have been God's will. I'm talking about what probably a hundred times, a thousand times more believers than us believe. Most people believe that. Not what we're talking about here tonight. But what did Jesus say to him? Jesus didn't say, well, just resign yourself to the will of God. And I'll do whatever I decide to do. People say, some people say, well, the Bible said you're supposed to pray if it be thy will. Not when you know his will. No. How many know if you know that Jesus took your sins and paid the price for you and rose from the dead and you're supposed to receive him as Lord, you don't go down to the altar and say, Lord, save me if it be thy will. That's being faithless. Well, if he's revealed that by his stripes he took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses and carried your pains, come on, look, look at what people are doing. They're looking at Jesus at the scourging post, being beaten, the, the stripes being laid upon him and saying, Lord, is it your will for me to be healed? That's like looking at him hanging on the cross when he became sin and saying, Lord, is it your will for me to be saved? It's an ignorant question. I said it's an ignorant, I don't mean that in a slandering way. If you don't know something, you're ignorant of it. It's an ignorant question. When you find out the truth, you quit asking, is it your will for me to be saved and born again? And you receive it. When you find out the truth, you quit asking, is it your will to heal me? And you receive your healing. By faith, just like you received your salvation. When you find out the truth, you quit asking, is it your will to help me get my bills paid and get in good shape financially? And you start believing you receive it. Thank God for the word of God that reveals the will of God that gets rid of our doubts and our questions and our wavering and our vacillation and causes faith to rise up strong. And we can say, I know it's his will. And here I come to get some. Huh? It's been bought, it's been paid for, it's been given to me, and I come to take me a big bunch of it. How many think if the Lord went through what he went through to get it and pay for it, we ought to enjoy it. We ought to have it. I don't want anything he paid for to be in vain where I'm concerned. If he thought enough to go through it and get it for me and pay for it, 
I mean to get it. And to enjoy it. And to have it. It pleases him. It's just like a parent that went to great sacrifice to provide for the children. And if the children never use it, never get any good out of it, does that please the parent? Of course not. Why would they go to the effort? Why would they pay for it? Why would they do it? Well, Jesus paid for everything for us. Thank you, Master. He thought he's leaving it all up to Jesus. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. But Jesus revealed to him, it wasn't all up to him. But he put it back to the man. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Now, millions upon millions of church-going people don't believe that. They don't believe faith is the determining factor. They believe it's up to the will of God. True or not? Millions don't believe what Jesus said and did right here. And how many know this is not the only time he did it? How many times did he tell people, according to your faith, as you have believed? How many times? How many times did he tell them, let's just wait and see what the will of God is? Not one time. Not one time. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. And in that moment, the man realizes, I'm not waiting on the Lord. I'm not waiting on God. I got to believe something here. And notice his response. Straightway, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. I do believe. Help my unbelief. What's going on with him? That's what we've been talking about for some time. You know the rest of the story. Uh, He's not to the full place he needs to be in his faith, obviously. But obviously the Lord met him where he was. Because the next couple of verses, his boy gets us free and healed. And we, we talked about the Lord will meet you where you are with honesty and faith, not where you're pretending to be in phoniness and fakeness. But he was honest And how many of you might as well be honest with the Lord? He knows anyway. Lord, I believe, but he was dealing with something else. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Now, go with me over to, I believe it's Luke we want to look at right now. Luke 5. What was he struggling with? What was causing him a problem? Now last week we talked about fear being an issue. Fear being an enemy of faith. I tell you what, before we go to Luke, go to 1 John. Let's do it this way. Go to 1 John chapter 3. We're believing together? Let's release our faith. I'm believing for some powerful things to happen. In hearts and minds and lives. The greatest need of man is spiritual. Not natural. We do need some things naturally. But our our greatest need is spiritual. And when the spiritual is right. The natural comes in line. Do you know this? You have to watch about focusing on the natural. And emphasizing the natural so much. Many times people think. Well I, I need money. I need money, I need money, I need money. No, as your soul prospers, right? Then the outside prospers. So many times it's not that you need money, you need some light, you need a change on the inside, in your heart and your thinking. 
And when you get that, then you'll, you'll, you'll change what you're saying and doing and your situation will change. The money will come easily. What I need is my marriage fixed. I need my relation fixed. And you just focus on that and look at the problem and look at the problem and you won't make progress that way. No, what you need is a spiritual something. Not a solical, not an emotional, not a physical. You get the spirit right and the natural is going to be right. Do you believe that? Same thing with your healing, same thing with everything. Don't focus on the symptoms. Don't focus on the fruit, focus on the root. How many believe if you affect the root, you're going to affect all the fruit? Hmm? But you can mess around with the fruit and mess around with the fruit and never change the root. So you're still going to have the same situation. In 1 John chapter 3 and verse 19. Let me pray. Let's pray together. Release our faith before we read the rest of this. Father, in Jesus' name, we're praying and agreeing together as touching this. Asking you. You know what we need. You know what's been hindering. You know What's the obstacle? What's uh, the lie, the deception, the confusion? We're asking you for bright, powerful light of your word and the anointing, hallelujah, that removes uh, the burden and destroys the yoke, that enlightens the eyes and quickens the heart and the mind, soul, the body. We ask for it. Answers in Jesus' name, amen. In 1 John 3, 19, he said, hereby we know that we're of the truth. Now, notice this phrase, we know. Not we're thinking about it. We we have an idea. We what? Know is positive. Know is persuaded. Know is assured. Confident. God doesn't deal in theories. God's not figuring stuff out. When He tells you something and He shows you something, it's right. And it'll always be right. And it will not need an upgrade. It won't need to be a version 1.1 coming down the pike later. Because it was perfect when he issued it. Right? When he said it, it was right. And when he gives you something, you can know it. And again and again, when that happens, you do know it. But then, here comes other stuff. You can be in a service like this. You can be in a time of prayer. You can be in a time with the Word. And God give you an answer so clear. You can see it so clearly and you know it. You're not wondering about it. You're not guessing about it. You know it. You don't know with your mind. You know with your heart. You think with your head. You know with your heart. And uh, then you can get out of that place of prayer or the place of the service and Get more into the flesh and into the natural. And here's the symptoms. And here's the need. And here's the pain. And here's the bills. And here's somebody acting like a heathen. 
Or maybe you just think they're acting like a heathen. Maybe the problem's more with you and you don't realize it. But either way, similar effect. And if you let those things affect you, you will lose your knowing and start wondering. And you're in trouble. Because now you're wavering and your faith is being shaken. Do you remember what happened with John the Baptist? When his ministry was known all across that area in that country, before Jesus was known, in fact, the Lord used John the Baptist's ministry to announce Jesus. And uh, when Jesus came to him, he was baptizing in the river, and Jesus came among those to be baptized. And uh, among, if you put the other passages together, he acknowledged publicly This is the one. Didn't he do it? This is the one that should come. I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie his shoe. This is him. And he told his disciples, behold, the light. This is he. He's the one. He's the fulfillment of scripture. Now sometime later, he's in prison. A lot of stuff has happened. Some time has passed and he sends some guys from his ministry to ask Jesus this question. Are you the one? Are you the one? What happened to him? What happened to him? He didn't ask him, are you really the one at the baptism? And when he announced to the other guys. Are you the one? What happened? He began considering things he shouldn't have been considering. When uh, Peter and the other guys in the boat, in, in the storm, and Jesus came walking on the water. And Peter said, if that's you, bid me come. And Jesus said, come. And Peter said, are you sure? Huh? You sure I can do this? No. What did he do? The boy got up. Stepped right out of the boat. In the middle of a storm. Right on to the pitching waves. He must have knew something. I said he must have knew something. He was confident. He was fully persuaded. But it didn't last too long. He got out there. And what happened? He started considering other things. Other than what the Lord told him come. He started looking at the wind. And the waves. And the devil screamed in his ears. You cannot walk on the water on a night like this. (laughs) Just like you could do it on a nice night. (laughs) But fear makes no sense. I said fear makes no. It doesn't have to be reasonable. It's a spirit of fear. And he got to looking at the wrong thing and yielded to the wrong thing and and lost the miracle that was going on in his life. When the Lord shows us something and it's clear to us and we know it, we need to guard our heart and not let ourselves listen to other things and consider other things. The devil's been doing this from the very beginning. What did the Lord tell him? Of all the trees, 
you can partake, but not that tree. And so the devil shows up. What does he say? He's trying to tempt them. And they know, you can tell they're not, they're not confused about this. No, we don't eat it. We don't mess with it. In the day that you do, you shall die. And what's the devil say? Well, there's other considerations. This is more complicated than that. You won't really die. Die. Well, they didn't know what dying was. <laughs> How many understand they should never have listened to him? They should never have given him the opportunity to confuse them. They should have been like little kids. No, 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 no. I can't hear you. And ran away. And kept it simple. And they would have stayed in knowing. They would have stayed in knowing. Remember the man cried out, I believe. But... Something else, see. Help my unbelief. This, uh, when the Bible talks about unbelief and wavering, one of the words is duo. Duo. Two. Vacillating between two things. How I many it was Elijah on the showdown on the mount? He said, how long? You're going to go back and forth between two. If God's God, then worship him. If Baal's God, then worship it. Make up your mind. Quit going back and forth. We got to do that. Are we saved or not? Is Jesus real or not? Is healing right or not? And once we get that and we know it, don't consider the other things. So we live in society where people have elevated knowledge above everything. And if you're really smart, you consider all the opinions. You're well read. You're well versed. And completely confused. <laughs> I had a friend of mine some years ago. When I was going to Bible school. He was going to a bigger school. Getting his doctorate in theology. And I wasn't doing that. I was, doing, I was getting training. But I wasn't getting a doctorate. And so I wanted to know. I wanted to learn. You know what's he learning? What's going on? And so one day he and I were talking. We had known each other from years back. And so uh, I asked him about a particular thing we were studying in school. And then I had some questions about. And I knew, man, he's, he's getting some heavy-duty instruction, you know. And so uh, I, I asked him, I said, what about that? He said, well, Dr. So-and-so, in his thing on such-and-such, such, states this position and this position. And this position. Oh, okay. He said, but... Other doctor so-and-so in his paper on such-and-such states this completely opposite positions. And I thought, well, okay. He said, but also doctor so-and-so that has three doctorates, he states, which is kind of a mixture with another new idea. And by the, while he's, he just kept on talking and it just came up in my spirit. Boy, I hope you don't have to stand on this anytime soon because you don't know what you believe. And yet you can think, I'm so smart. Well, you, what good is it to know a bunch of junk that's not true? A bunch of stuff that's not right. What good does that do? All that does is confuse you. There's a whole lot of stuff you're better off never hearing. Never knowing. All it'll do is hurt you. But the truth. 
all the truth will make you free. Somebody say, give me the truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. (laughs) And that will help you from God. Keep reading. 1 John 3. We know and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Keep reading. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, he he says that phrase twice now, then have we confidence toward God. When you know, when you're sure, when you're persuaded, you got confidence, you are in faith, my brother, my sister. You're in faith. When you're vacillating, I don't know, we think so, we hope so, we'll see, no faith. No faith there. And notice what will absolutely undermine your faith. Your confidence. Let's say it like that. Condemnation. We saw last week fear is a big enemy of faith. You yield to fear and you'll lose your faith. Well, fear has a running buddy. Condemnation. They work together. We'll see here in just a moment. They are directly connected to each other. But condemnation will absolutely pull the rug out from under your faith. It'll do it. And so we've got to get rid of condemnation. When the man cries out, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. What's going on with him? Well, we talked about last week, there's obviously some fear there. But what else? We see this, we're going to see this in Luke and some other places. A lot of times people would also come to Jesus and say, I'm not worthy. And what are they dealing with? So what else is he dealing with? Why would he fear? Coupled with fearing is I'm not worthy. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I've messed up too much. Maybe I just, I'm so, my faith is so weak and I know so little and I've made so many mistakes. That's why you would fear it's not going to happen because your substandard faith, your mistakes, your unrighteousness. But both of those are working together to destroy your faith. You can't be doing that and be saying, I know. (laughs) What are people that are struggling with condemnation saying? I just don't know. We hope so. Y'all pray. It might not be. I mean, we we messed up so much. We, you know, I, who knows? I don't know. Well, that means there's not faith. It would not happen because of that reason. Faithlessness. We have to overcome fear. And get in faith. We have to overcome condemnation. And get in faith. There is a cure. For the worst condemnation anybody's ever had. I found the cure. You want me to tell you about it? I found the cure. 
It can, I don't care how bad off you've been in condemnation. It can cure you completely. Set you totally free. So that you have zero guilt. Zero shame. And can just come boldly right up to the throne of grace. And say, I'll take mine now, please. <laughs> can you see why the devil has worked so hard? And the number one place he's worked is in the church. Through the preachers. Through the pulpits. To keep people out of this confidence and assurance and persuasion that righteousness consciousness brings. Because he knows. If he can keep you down on yourself and condemning yourself, you will be faithless. He knows it. And this is what getting you to sin is about. It's not just so he can put a mark and go, goody, goody, I got him to sin. No, it's much more than that. He's out to rob you of your faith. Because if you're faithless, you are no problem to him at all. You are a non-issue. Even though you got the greater one inside and you got call and you got anointing, if you're faithless, it's like a bunch of dynamite with no fuse. Nothing to set it off with. Hebrews 4 talks about mixing faith with it. And when you mix faith with the power, you'll get a boom. You'll get an explosion. You do. Every one of these miracles that we read about was faith and power. Faith mixed with power. Well, the devil can't take away God's power. He can't diminish it. He just can't do anything with the power. No need him trying to. So what does he work on? He works on taking all the fuses out of the church. So nobody can set any of it off. Keeping us faithless. Keeping us in fear. Keeping us in condemnation. Let's read some more of this. 1 John 3, back up to verse 19. Hereby we know that we are of the truth. We what? We know something. The truth's making us free. Made us free and is keeping us free and we know it. And our hearts are assured. I mean, we probably today we'd just say sure. We know it and we're sure. How many like the sound of this? Come on, say it out loud. I know it. And I'm sure. Now keep this in context. We will assure our hearts before him. Why? How can you be like that? How can you know? How can you be sure? If. If. Our heart. Condemn us. God's greater than our heart. And knows all things. Keep going. If. Our heart. Condemns us not. Then. We have this confidence of knowing and being sure toward God. Can you see? you got to get rid of the condemnation. If you don't, you're not going to be in faith. Maybe I don't deserve it. Well, let me help you out. You don't. That's why Jesus had to come buy it and pay for it. And just give it to us. 
because we could never earn it. <laughs> well, I've made so many mistakes. Yeah, you and everybody else. What makes you so special? I've just come short in so many ways. Yeah, you and everybody around you. Is there a way to get over that? To get past that? I'm not trying to minimize it, but is there? do you have to live in the guilt? Do you have to stay in the shame? No, our good Lord is the glory and the lifter of our head. And he took our sins. Didn't he? Yes, sir. And he paid the price for them. And we're either forgiven or we're not. We're the clean or we're not. If we're clean, why should we feel ashamed? If we're forgiven, why should we feel guilty? Are you forgiven or not? Are you clean or not? If you're forgiven and clean, why would you be ashamed? Why would you feel guilty? You're either clean or you're not. You're either forgiven or you're not. Are you forgiven? If you're not, you can receive it tonight. If you're not clean, you can receive it tonight. There's only two reasons a believer would stay in guilt and shame. Only two. One, you're in sin and refuse to repent. You won't change. You know you're doing wrong. But you're not going to change. Or two, you're willing to repent. You've said you did, but you didn't receive and believe what he said. That he's faithful to forgive you and to cleanse you and wash you. Did he hear you? Did he forgive you? Did he cleanse you? Did he wash you? Then if you believe it, there's no more condemnation. If there's still some condemnation, you don't believe it. And if we can't get rid of the condemnation, we're stuck. Our faith is not going to function. Because if our heart condemns us, not, then we have confidence toward God. What if your heart is condemning you? Then you won't have confidence toward God. Now let's back up and look at this again. Verse 20. If our heart condemns us, what's condemning us? Have you ever heard somebody say, oh man, boy, the the Spirit really condemned me about some things in that service. You ever heard that? God really condemned me over something. No, he didn't. I said, no, he didn't. That's wrong. What was condemning you? Your own heart. You. You were condemning yourself. Your own, it wasn't God condemning you, it was you. Now, the Holy Spirit will convict you. Uh, another, that's a form of the word convince. He will show it to you and make it clear and plain to you. And a lot of times, in the light of what He's showing to you, you realize, I blew it. The light's real clear and plain, and you realize, I messed up. And He's convincing you, and then your heart's condemning you. But it's not him condemning you. I said it's not him condemning you. 
How many remember the woman that was caught in act of adultery and they're ready to stone her? And, and what did Jesus say at the end of it? He said, where's your accusers? Has no man condemned you? She said, nobody. What did he say? Neither do I condemn. The one who could have, who was perfectly righteous, who's never made a mistake and made a sin, he was in a position to condemn her and he didn't. I said he didn't. He didn't tell her it was right. It was okay. He told her, go and sin no more. But what did he tell her first? I'm not condemning you either. Does he want her to feel guilty? Does he want her to feel ashamed? No. He wants you to be free. He wants you to be sure. He wants you to be confident. Hallelujah. So your faith rises up and soars free from guilt and shame. Free from fear and unbelief. And you can face the devil and run right over him. You can receive anything that you need. Nothing can hold you down. Nothing can keep you down. You can receive any miracle. This is where the real warfare is going on. People have imagined all sorts of things. But this is where it's really happening. Is the enemy continually working to get us or to keep us in some kind of fear or some kind of condemnation. Because he knows if he can do that, we're no threat to him. Our faith's not going to come up. But we found out some things. Yeah. And if you've been laying down with condemnation, make up your mind, I'm not, do, I'm not doing that anymore. Hmm? We're not going to take it anymore. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. If your heart's bothering you about something, how many understand it is absolutely ridiculous to hide it and pretend like and try to keep anybody from knowing? God knows. God knows. Go to him. Don't hide it. Deal with it. Lay it out before him. Confess it. Repent. And receive your forgiveness. And receive your cleansing. And now you're either clean or you're not. You're either forgiven or you're not. And if you are, why should you feel guilty? Why should you feel ashamed? Now, I know I've said that about half a dozen times. I may say it another three dozen times before it's over. Because just because you heard it don't mean you're doing it. Maybe somebody will jump in on the 30th time and do it. Somebody did it number time number five, six. Somebody jumped in on time number 16. Somebody did it finally in time number 23. Why do you keep saying that? I got it, you know, time three. Well, did you? I don't know. We'll see. But you're not the only person in here. Right? Be patient with your brethren too. If you're so speedy and fast and bright. Be patient with your slower brethren. Bible says comfort the feeble minded. I'm quoting scripture. Didn't it say comfort? What does that mean? That's all right, baby. You'll get it. I know it's time number 325, but that's all right. We will just keep throwing the ball till you hit it. <laughs> and sometimes it's you they keep throwing the ball to, right? So, if our heart condemn us, we're in trouble. Can you see this, saints? And we're foolish if we try to hide it and cover it. God is far greater than us and what we know. If we know it, he knows it. Don't run away from him. Run to him. Verse 21. 
If our heart condemns us not, then have we confidence toward God. And look what happens. And whatever we ask, we get it. Come on, can you see this? Why? Because we, we got no condemnation. We've repented. We're clean. We're forgiven. We're keeping his commandments. We're doing what he told us to do. We're not rebellious. We have gotten rid of the condemnation. We have gotten rid of the guilt. We've gotten rid of the shame. And we can believe for anything. You believe it? Thanks be unto God. Skip to the fourth chapter. Chapter 4 verse 9. In this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because God sent his only begotten son in the world that we might live through him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God. But that he loved us and sent his son to do what? To be the propitiation for our sins. Did he pay for our sins or not? Did he really take care of them? Why should we feel guilty and ashamed for something he took care of? You're either clean or you're not. You're either forgiven or you're not. Are you? Are you not? Why would you not be? Either you know you're doing wrong and you refuse to repent. Well, you're not going to be able to get free from condemnation. I don't care how many confessions you make. Until you do what you know to do. Because to him that knows to do good and does it not, it's sin and you're going to be condemned. It's not that God's condemning you. Your own heart's going to keep condemning you and you're not going to be able to get free from it. But if you'll repent, ask God to forgive you, confess it, be willing to do the right thing, and you still are in condemnation, it's because you didn't believe that he really did forgive you. You don't believe that you're really cleansed. I've had people look at me and, and just scorn and say, well, preacher, you don't know what I've done. And I said, yeah, and you don't know how powerful the blood is. They're thinking their sin is greater than what Jesus has done. Their terrible mess up is worse than what the Lord has done. No. When he said it is finished, it was finished. When he rose up from the dead, it's done. And he sat down at the right hand of the Father, and that blood is on the mercy seat, and is speaking every night and every day, and always will forever. I am clean. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. So why should I feel ashamed? Why should I hang my head? Why should I feel like I, I can't get anything? Well, something that ministered to me, Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr., my father in the faith, who's in heaven now, tells of experiences he had, visions he had of the Lord. And he tells one of the first times that he was caught up, caught up to heaven and saw the Lord. He said he had kind of just glanced at the Lord. He described him sometimes. He described the color of his hair. He described his height, everything. He said, I, I saw him just like I'm seeing you. So as people would ask him, what's the most remarkable thing about him? He said, his eyes. His eyes. He said, the best I could describe them, they looked like wells of living love. He said it looked like you could look miles deep down into them. And they just looked like wells of living love. He said that doesn't describe it, but that's the best way I know how to say it. And he said, 
The first time that he lifted up his head and he really looked at the master, he said he was just overwhelmed. He was just overcome. He fell down in front of him and put his feet, put his hands where his feet was. And he said, Lord, no one as unworthy as I should look on your face. You know, I'm not surprised you'd feel that way. How many believe he is perfection? He is perfection. He said, Lord, no one is unworthy as I should look on your face. And he said, the Lord said to him, stand up. Stand up on your feet, kind of strong. He said he didn't think about not doing it. (laughs) Up he comes, kind of standing there, trembling. And he said, the Lord looked at him and said, I have made you worthy. Does that do anything for you? I have made you worthy. Did he or not? We were unworthy. We were. And nothing we could do would have made us worthy. So he did it. I said, so he did it. He did it. He made you and I worthy to be called his brethren. Did you know the Bible said he's not ashamed to call us his brethren in front of the Father, the almighty creator of heaven and earth? He's not afraid. He's not ashamed, I should say, to claim you and me. To say, yeah, they're mine. In front of the angels and the Father and everybody. Claim you and me. Hallelujah. Yeah, they're mine. Not, not ashamed of us. If he's not ashamed of you, why should you be ashamed? Of you. You know more than him. I don't think I've ever said this exactly like this till right now. If he's not ashamed of you, did the Bible said he's not ashamed to call us his brethren? If Jesus is not ashamed of you, why do you know more about yourself and what you've done that you should be ashamed of you? You're either forgiven or you're not. You're either clean, redeemed, made righteous, made holy, or you're not. You're not in between somewhere. You're not working on it. Because that means you're doing it. And you never could and never will. Well, I'm working on being righteous, then you'll never be. I'm working on it, getting there. Mm Mm-mm. Because we couldn't achieve it, he came and gave it to us. He bought it, he paid for it, and gave it to us, knowing we couldn't get it on our own. But did he give it to us? Do we have it? Then are we really righteous? Not because we earned it, we're made that way. Are we really worthy to be with him and live with him forever and to rule and reign? People say, well, no, no. Yes, yes. You either are or you're not. But the difference is it's got nothing to do with your achievements. He made you worthy. Somebody say, he made me worthy. He made me worthy. Brother Hagin said, he said to him, stand up. Get up. Stand right up right on your feet. He said, he stood up, looking at him. He said, I have made you worthy to look upon my face. Well, if he did it for him, he did it for you. He did it for me. 
It'd help you to just walk around saying, he's made me worthy. He's made me. He's made me worthy. Are you worthy to receive such blessings? <laughs> you worthy to receive such miracles? Actually, yes. <laughs> yes, I am. Why? Because he made me. Oh, I ought to come and preach this to myself tonight. He made me. He made me. Did he do it or not? Am I clean or not? Am I forgiven or not? If he's not ashamed of me, why should I be ashamed of him? That would simply be either a refusal to repent or a lack of faith in what he has done. Thinking that my mistakes and failures are more than what the blood can take care of. No. He said it is finished. It is done. How many believe the price was paid? It has been paid in full. No man or woman afterwards can add anything to it. It doesn't need anything added to it. Nothing else needs to be done. Except to believe it. And receive it. (laughs) And go and sin no more. Right? Stay out of it. So you don't get involved in that cycle again. Skip down to verse 16. 1 John 4, 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. And when you believe it, it's when you get free. The truth will make you free. God is love and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. And he's talking about God's manifested love for us. Believing how much he loves you. That he loved you enough to do this for you. Keep going. Herein is our love made perfect. When we believe he loved us that much and did that for us. What's the result? The result is boldness. Come on, can you see it? You see, he's still talking about some of the same things from chapter 3. Flowing right here into chapter 4. Some of the same thing. That we'll have boldness. Now, you got to get this. You know when and where he's talking about? Being bold. In the day of judgment... When people that thought they had it all together are running into the mountains and caves and holes and crying for rocks to fall on them and cover them up, you and I stand right out front and go, here we are. It's your kids, God. Jesus knows me. He claims me. He's not ashamed of me. Boldness in the day of judgment? Boldness in the day of judgment. When the Bible says the heaven and the earth will flee away from the face of him that sits on the great white throne. Heaven and earth is going to run away from it. Except for me and you and the ransom millions that are like us. The redeemed ones. We're actually going to be bold. Now, bold does not mean arrogant. Oh, no, 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 no. We know. We know it's not because of what we did. 
It's because of what Jesus did for us. And yet bold means confident. You're bold because you know. You're bold because you're sure. Not think so, hope so, guess so. It's know so. Because as he is, how in the world could you be bold in the day of judgment? Because the truth of the matter is, the righteousness of the one that sits at the right hand of God is the exact same righteousness that I have. Because it's his righteousness that he gave to me. Because as he is, I'm in him. He's in me. When the father looks at me, he don't see Keith the mess up. Keith the sinner. He sees the righteousness of Jesus that he's already accepted that Keith received by faith. Come on, can you see this? And as he is righteous, as he is holy, as he is accepted, so am I. And it's not later on when I get to heaven. It's right now, here in this world, because it is his righteousness. And I know that, how many have got any questions if Jesus is completely accepted of the Father? That's your acceptance. Well, I don't know if I'm fully accepted or not. Then you're saying you don't know if he's fully accepted or not. Because your acceptance is his acceptance. <laughs> I don't know if I'm righteous enough. Then you're saying you don't know if he's righteous enough. Because your righteousness is his right. It's the same. Can you see this, saints? Did Jesus, did he really become sin with our sin? Did he? He didn't just sympathize, sympathize with it. He became sin with our sin. And the full brunt of judgment came on him at the cross and the three days and nights after that. But has he risen completely free from all of it? And is he now completely right? Is there any sin taint on Jesus from him becoming sin absolutely none, none, none. He's perfectly righteous. Then what about you? (laughs) Are you completely accepted? Why? Because it's his acceptance. It's the same one. He became sin with my sin. That was my sin he became sin with. Now I've become righteous with his. It's his righteousness. It's his righteousness. That's how I can be bold. Here and now, and bold, then and there. Mm. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, that's how we are. Right now. Here. Not in the sweet by and by, over yonder. In this world. You know, man, that do a world of good. We'll just go around saying that. As he is, so am I in this world. As he is. Well, how is he? How is he? He is completely victorious over sin, over the judgment for sin, over death, over hell, over the grave. 
after all of this, the father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son. This day I've begotten you. And he was born again. And his blood has been brought to the mercy seat and has been accepted by the father forever as the complete propitiation payment, a satisfaction for sin. Nothing else will ever need to be done to take care of sin or satisfy God about sin. Ever. And as he is, so am I. In this word, come on, say it it again. As he is, so am I in this world. Is he loved of the Father? Is he righteous and clean in the Father's eyes? So am I. Is he holy before the Father? So am I. Not because anything I did. He made me that way. He made me that way. Why do you keep shouting? Because I'm happy about it. It's wonderful. Can you imagine? It's hard for us to. Can you imagine in the day of judgment when the heaven and earth runs away from the face of the one on the throne and you and I don't run away? Don't have to. We belong there. I said we belong there. We don't have to storm the gates and cry out at the gates. We can come boldly Boldly, right up to the very throne. Keep reading. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. Is this connected? Is this all one one flow? Why would you be afraid? Because I've messed up so much. I've made so many mistakes. And if you know that you're guilty, then you're dreading punishment. You're dreading getting caught. You're dreading having to pay for your mistakes. And that fear has torment. You're talking about something that will ruin your life. This vexing, tormenting fear and this awful condemnation and waiting for the other shoe to drop. Looking over your shoulder. Knowing something bad's going to happen. Because yes, hmm, you've messed up so bad. You've done it. You blew it. That's not believing as he is. No. So am I. Is it? No. That's believing you're not clean. You're not forgiven. You don't deserve any blessing. You deserve judgment and punishment. Hold on. Hold on. I thought Jesus took the punishment. Yes. And the judgment. Perfect love when you realize what love has done for us and you embrace it fully it will cast cast a strong word it means throw it out it will throw fear out of you <laughs> it'll throw fear out of you because fear has torment and he that fears not made perfect in love let me talk to you about some more of these things specific areas I've been around this long enough now in the, in the word and faith so-called where we emphasize healing and miracles and prosperity and these things to see this over and over and over again and I'm frankly I'm, I'm fed up with it 
I want it stopped. And it takes revelation. It takes understanding. The truth will make you free. People in our camps. People in our churches. I'm talking about Faith Life Church. Many, many, many. Are just bound up. With guilt. And shame. Over their situations. I still have symptoms. Why do I still have symptoms? I'm still broke. I still got all these problems in my family. And people are embarrassed. And they hide it. And they're ashamed. And don't realize the devil's playing them. Because that's exactly what he wants you to do. Because if you're doing that, you are not in faith. I don't care how many services you come to and how many confessions you make. You go back home and you sink down into that shame and guilt. You're powerless. Y'all understand what I'm saying? And I know a lot of people have said things that have left wrong impressions. And and don't judge them too harshly because a lot of times that's all people know. They're, They're all the light they have. And you know, especially young people that just got a hold of things about faith and victory and haven't been through much and seen much. They're quick to go, oh, why don't you just believe God? Quit messing with it. And they don't realize they have never walked through that. They have never believed through that. They don't know what they're talking about. It's like, you know, it's like playing football from the sofa. (laughs) Watching the big game. What? 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 The ball was right there. It was right there. It was in your hands. How many know that's being ignorant? Because how many Pro Bowl games have you played in? They cut you from the junior high squad. <laughs> and yet, and yet, you can tell them. How many know it's different doing it than watching it? Maybe it looks so simple to you, but what you don't know is when the guy jumped to catch that pass, those three cracked ribs that he's been nursing for a month now spasmed on his side. And the sweat and the sun was in his eyes. He couldn't even see the football right there. Of course, you can't tell all that from the couch. How many know it's different doing it? Than teaching about it. Or talking about it. Or trying to encourage. Oh just go on and do it. Go on. Why don't you do something. Show us how to do it. Show us how. If you do. And you actually do. Walk out some things in faith. And receive some things in faith. You won't be as pushy about it. You know if it hadn't been for the grace of God. You wouldn't have gotten there. Faith people who should know better have been very negative, very negative, focusing on the things they haven't received instead of rejoicing about the things they did receive and not realizing playing right into the hands of the enemy. I've had people 
that I, friends of mine, that I knew in ministry and and, and you notice they're not being around you. And it's almost like they're avoiding you. And, and you realize they got some issues going on in their life. And they don't want you to know it. That they're having to believe God for something or deal with something that's wrong. Somebody said that's wrong. That's wrong. wrong. Now I don't mean that you got to broadcast every little problem that you're going through. I don't mean that either. But I mean we need to not play games Come into church and sit up and act like nobody's dealing with anything. <laughs> or that everything came to pass after we said it three times. Right. <laughs> and it's not that God is dragging his feet. It's not that it's taking God long. We're not receiving according to what God can do. Right. We're receiving according to our faith. Right. Aren't we? Yes. When we talk about the will of God. God's perfect will. Somebody say perfect will. God's perfect will is that you be healthy and strong and function fully and live a long time and run your race and finish your course. That's God's perfect will. God's perfect will is that all your bills be paid. Is that right? And you get completely unburdened from debts and obligations and you be in the best shape that you've ever been in. Is that right? And not just have your needs met, but be a vessel for God to flow through and minister to others of your abundance. That's God's perfect will. And the same thing could be said in area after area. God's perfect will. Is for you and your wife to love each other and be happy and your kids to be well trained and well behaved and examples of the believer. And, and, and you and your spouse just go month after month and not even a crossword. That's God's. <laughs> Perfect. Will. Is it attainable? That was a little weak. The answer is yes. yes. Is it attainable? Yes, yes it is. Yes. Is it receivable? Yes. yes, it is. But in order to have and enjoy God's perfect will, you have to do God's perfect will. Yes, sir. You got to fully do what he tells you to do and his plan for your life. And if you don't do the perfect will of God, you'll wind up coming short in receiving his perfect will for your life. And none of us have walked this out perfectly except the master himself. So the truth is, you've come short in some things and I've come short in some things. But that don't change the perfect will of God. That doesn't change that he bought it and paid for it and it belongs to us. And we can have it. But instead of clamming up. And shutting down. And pulling away. And hiding. And not wanting anybody to know. That you haven't received all of that. That you are still dealing with that. And then put on a happy face. When it's service time. And come in and act like. Oh yeah. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm everything. I've got it all. We're doing Everything's wonderful. And then try to hide from people that it's not so wonderful at the house. That is pretending. 
And it's acting like you're at a place that you're not. And God don't meet you there. He'll meet you where you are. Not where you're pretending to be. And you wouldn't be doing what this man did when he said, Lord, I believe. What else did he say? What else did he say? Was he too proud to let the Lord know, I need some help. I'm still dealing with this. Are y'all with me, friends? Do you believe this is right what we're talking about right now? The enemy has used pride and wrong thinking for people to cover stuff up and basically feel shame about something all the time. I'm not getting this. I'm still dealing with this. We don't have this yet. We don't have that and the other. And don't realize you're missing out on good fellowship. And you're missing out on good help. I know my granddad, uh, of course they grew up, you know, a big part of their life was in the depression. And uh, food and everything was super tight and where they were living and working at the time. He had a saying, even afterwards, people would come over and uh, sometimes around supper time. Uh, and uh, he'd say, well, such as it is, you're welcome to it. Peas and pawn, eat it or leave it alone. <laughs> he had little sayings like that. But he was serious about, you know, it's not a nine-course meal, but you're welcome to it. It's what we have. Come on in. Make yourself at home. And I've seen people learn a few things about faith and prosperity and, and try to project that they're further along than they are and don't want people to know where they live and how they live and how their stuff is and don't realize you could be enjoying fellowship with each other. We could be encouraging. That's one of the purposes for these Faith for Life classes. Can you see this? And it's not a time to come vent all your problems and cry and feel sorry for yourself. No, no, no. That's one reason we have leaders to go, whoa, time out. No, no. All right. That's the third time you tell us the problem. That's enough. <laughs> that's not going to help anybody. We got to talk about the answer. Yes, sir. But at the same time, we don't want you to feel the least bit intimidated or ashamed or embarrassed because Every one of us has had issues. And except for the mercy and grace of God, we'd have just as many issues as anybody else. Same things they're dealing with or haven't overcome yet. If we overcome in an area where someone else hasn't yet, it was by the grace and goodness of God. And we should be thankful and rejoice and try to tell them what we learned about it. And realize if it hadn't been for his help, we'd have never made it through and a whole lot of folks just have not had to deal with some things that other people have dealt with. That just wasn't something that was in your life or, or was came up before in your life. We should be uh, compassionate, yes. shouldn't we? Yes. We should be understanding. We're not going to agree with you that it's hopeless. No, no sir. Uh-uh. Now, if you look for a crying buddy, we're not that. No, <laughs> no, sir. Hmm? Oh, we'll let you cry for. Fifteen seconds, you know. <laughs> right? <laughs> but not much more. But then we're going to say, okay, all right, yeah, I got it. I got it. It's bad. I understand. But come on, there's help. We have a God. Right? We can have faith for miracles. 
But we've got to be real about it. Somebody said out loud, no shame. No condemnation. No embarrassment. No fear. Why? Because as he is, so am I in this world. Go to Luke 5. I'm thinking about closing. Luke 5. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to get this. Helping us to get this. Shame is not from God. That guilt, that embarrassment. Now, a lot of it's just pride, too. And then you just got to get over that. You are where you are, not where you wish you were. But if you don't start where you are, you'll stay where you are. Be honest. I know when I first started walking by faith in some areas financially, I'd see what, other, what appeared to me that some other people were doing. And I thought, man, look at them. They're just sailing. And I'm doing nothing. I mean, my, look, I've I'm, I'm got this and this. Little, little piddly stuff. And I felt bad. And I felt, you know, and I'm not even the same league with them. And, you know, 20 years later, I found out at that time, I was actually doing better than they were. And didn't know it. Because it was a show. <laughs> it was a front. And it was just a bunch of debt. <laughs> Come on, y'all listen. You, how many know you can't judge things by appearance? You don't really know how they're doing. You may think you do. You may know what you hear them saying. But you don't really know. Besides that, you're not supposed to compare. And that's between them and the Lord. But be honest about where you are. Be honest. Where are you? I'm here. I'm believing for this. Oh, you're not here yet. Not yet. But I'm getting there. I'm going. But don't be embarrassed about it. Don't be in shame. Maybe you got a vision to be up there on the 90th floor. But don't just sit down here and whine and pine and cry. Because you're not on the 90th floor. Enjoy every floor. Come on, can you see it? Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the trip. Enjoy every victory, even the little ones. Rejoice in them. And if people don't rejoice with you and look down on your little victory, then they're just foolish. They got some problems and there's some phoniness there. Because if they really have come that way, they've been right where you are. And they know about it personally. And they'll rejoice about it. They'll be glad. They'll go, man, that's wonderful. Come on. Here we go. You're doing some making progress now. No more shame. No more hiding. No more embarrassment. No more condemnation. If you messed up real bad, look around. Look at other people. They did too. I don't know if they messed up as bad. Yeah, you don't know. If you really knew everything about them, you'd go, okay. I actually feel a little better. (laughs) Because you don't know. The enemy can play on that ignorance and you can come in and say, look at them. They're an angel. I mean, look at them. Look at them. Perfect. 
It's just because you don't know. You don't know what their life is like. You don't know anything about them. And so you're comparing something you don't know about to yourself that you know all about. And you're not coming out very well. (laughs) But it's foolishness. What the Bible said, if you compare yourselves among yourselves, you are not wise. If you're not wise, well, that's foolish. Every one of us has come short on receiving God's perfect will. I said every one of us. It wasn't God's fault. Say it out loud. Every one of us. Every one of us. So we're all in the same boat. And we don't need to be focusing about and depressed over what we haven't received or what we're still dealing with. We need to be rejoicing over what God is doing and what we have been able to receive. If a hundred lost folks come to the altar and two of them get saved and 98 leave the building lost, do the angels in heaven cry over the 98 that left lost? Should we learn a lesson? I said, should we learn a lesson? We should not mope around about our mistakes and our shortcomings. That's what testimony time is about. We're never going to tell what the devil got away with. Why tell where you came short and I came short? We should all know that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, we all know that. What's the point talking about that? Yeah, I'm still believing on the same thing here for year number 10. Yeah. But don't just focus on that and cry and get down. What's wrong with me? I don't have any faith. That's the thing that's undoing your faith. Right there. That's why you don't. And the moment you get rid of the condemnation. And you get out in the light with God. And you go, Lord, here I am. I don't have to tell you. You know. And I do believe. Uh, Help me with this. Will God meet us like he met him? Yes, he will. And we'll get there. But you won't get there feeling guilty and ashamed and hiding and covering. You won't get there like that. Luke 5. Look at how this happened. Luke 5. They brought the man. We already went over this. They couldn't see how to get him in. So then they looked up. And then they went up. Then they tore off the, the roof. And then they let him down in front of Jesus. And Luke 5, 20, when Jesus saw their faith, you know what he said? You know what he said? I see you've come for a healing. I see it's miracle time. Is that what, did they come for a miracle? Oh, yes, they did. And what did Jesus talk to him about? His sins being forgiven. Why? Because what he's about to tell him to do is going to take faith. Faith that knows so. Faith that is confident and sure. And what will undermine that? If your heart condemns you, you won't have confidence toward God. So what do we got to do before before we can get this miracle? We got to get rid of this condemnation. Do you think Jesus would do this if it wasn't necessary? Certainly he wouldn't. He said, man, your sins are forgiven you. If you believe that, you're either forgiven or you're not. You're either clean or you're not. If you believe it, what's going to happen to you? 
I mean a two-ton weight's going to roll off of you. Is that right? That guilt, that shame, that fear of being punished and being caught, it's going to roll off of you. I said it's going to roll off of you. And you know what was under that big rock? Faith. Faith was being suppressed by the boulder of condemnation. And when you get that boulder rolled off of you, faith is going to rise up inside you. Come on, can you see it? A faith that can believe anything, receive anything. He said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And what happened next? What happened next? The devil through the Pharisees said, no, 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 no. You're guilty. He can't do that. He can't do that. Why? Because the devil is scared that you're going to pull out your fuse and light it in the dynamite of God. And yokes and burdens that it took him generations to get on you and your family can be blown to smithereens in a moment of time. So he's going, no, 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 no. You, your sins are not forgiven. No. No. Well, if your sins are not forgiven, where are you? Condemned? Guilty? Boulder sitting on your faith. Faithless. No miracles are going to happen. They said, no, 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 no. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And of course, nobody knows his will. Keep going. Jesus perceived their thoughts. He said, what reason ye in your hearts? Whether it's easier to say your sins be forgiven you or to say, get up and walk. Which one's easier? They're both the same. Actually, they are connected. If you're going to be able to, to, to say, rise, get up and, and go, you first got to know you're forgiven. You got to get that condemnation and fear out of you so your faith can rise up. Come on, can you see this? And so he just turns around and says that you may know that the Son of Man has power upon earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say to you, get up, take your couch, and go to the house. Come on, come on, back up. What's the first thing he told him? Your sins are forgiven you. Do you believe he heard what Jesus told him? Do you believe he's looking into Jesus' eyes? Is he like that man that said, I believe? He's, he's, He's laying there thinking, I am forgiven. I'm forgiven. All the junk I've done all my life, I am forgiven. I'm forgiven. I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm forgiven. Forgiven. Redeem. 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 And and they're fussing about whether he can do it or not. And he's just going, I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm clean. I'm clean. And then Jesus said, Hey, clean, cleany, get up. Clean one, redeem one, forgiven one. Get up, get up, get up. And because he knows that he's clean, his faith just jumped right up and he jumped up behind it. Immediately he rose up before him and took where only lay and departed to his own house. Glorifying God. Go to Romans 8. Romans 8 starts off in verse 1 by saying, There he is. Therefore, now, N-O, no, 
No. Didn't say not much. Said no. Condemnation. To them which are in Christ Jesus. Who walk not after the flesh. But after the spirit. You got to do what you know to do. Like we're talking. You got to walk in the light. Or your heart will condemn you. But if you'll do that. You won't walk in any condemnation. Skip on down to the end of the chapter. It says. Verse 30. Whom he did predestinate. He called. Whom he called he justified. Whom he justified he glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us. Who can be against us? Is God for us? Is he for us? He's for us. And he, he keeps expanding on that idea. He that spared not his own son. But delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely. Give us all things. Can you see Ability to receive everything that God has in this. Everything. Well who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who's going to charge you with sin and wrongdoing? Who's going to do that? It says. Actually there's a question here. God. Is God going to charge you with wrongdoing? He's the one that justified you. If God had wanted you charged and guilty, all he'd had to do is nothing. But he sent Jesus. Keep going. Who's he that condemns? Who's condemning us? It's not God. It's not Jesus. Christ died and rose again and is at the right hand of God. For who? For who? Making intercession for us. This is elaborating that God's for us. He's not against you. He's not accusing you. He's not finding fault with you. He's not condemning you. He's for us. He's on our side. Ever lives to make intercession for us. Keep going. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Come on now, you've got to put together everything we've been talking about with this tonight. What does that mean? I, this side of what we're talking about, who can make you feel guilty and ashamed so that you don't believe that God has really done all this and separate you from this love and believing this love? He said tribulation can't do it, distress can't do it, persecution and famine can't do it, nakedness, peril, sword, as it is written, for your sake we're killed all of the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Other people may see it and not understand it. But verse 37, nay. Nothing, if we won't allow it to, can cause us to reject the love of God and accept the condemnation and accept the defeat and accept the guilt and the shame and the failure and deserving of judgment, the fear and condemnation. No. Somebody say, nay. 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 In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I'm a conqueror over fear. I'm a conqueror over condemnation, over guilt, over shame, over sin, over death, hell, and the grave. Because his victory is my victory. He did it for me. I'm persuaded. Are you? Are you? Does this sound like I know? I'm sure. I'm persuaded. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. Can you hear Paul preaching? The man has gone to preaching now. 
No things present. No things to come. No height. No depth. No any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Which is why we have zero condemnation. We have no shame. We have no guilt. Because you're either forgiven or you're not. And we are. You're either clean or you're not. And we are. Stand on your feet everybody. Hallelujah. Praise be to Jesus. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.